So people have to stop going by the playbook of major players because that's right. their book and you have a different one and you haven't defined yours. And so that's really where we focus. So it's definitely a mindset shift and it's not something you can just throw money at and solve the problem. Right, right. Some of the mm -hmm. most powerful marketing campaigns that have really exceeded revenue goals were very, very cheap. It's about focusing on those core things that I just mentioned. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. My name is Adam with my co-host, Chloe, and today we're continuing a series of Women Leading the Way by welcoming a guest that has blazed many trails in technology and digital transformation. She's the founder of four companies and works tirelessly to help companies overcome obstacles and innovate new roads to technological development. Her career is not restricted to one mode of work. She is a visionary entrepreneur that is intent on solving big problems within the modern world. Welcome, everybody, Monique Mills. Monique, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. And just a little bit more about Monique. She is one of my muses. She is just amazing and has given me so much of her time to just help me with growing higher ground. So just Thanks. wanted to say that that I just love her just off the cuff. <laughs> just right Before the, the we top even of the, get into the interview. Yes. Top, top of the program, right? Yes, right here, yes, right now. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I mean, you. I appreciate that. So much of, I think, just for founders and, and new entrepreneurs is being yeah. able to see people, you know, steps ahead of you and being able to visualize them. And the fact that they look like you is just so inspiring just in itself. So I'm just inspired by her and just happy to share her story with all of our listeners today. Thank you so much. Uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, Monique, all things marketing. Yeah. Tell us about your skill set. <laughs> tell us about your companies. Tell us what you're doing yeah. this year. Oh, gosh. What am I doing this year? <laughs> it seems like a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But to me, what I do every day doesn't feel like work at all. So that's why I know I'm doing what I should be doing. Right. At this phase of my life, um, I would say I'm in a give back phase. Um, in the mm. beginning of my career, I'm a, I'm a degreed engineer. And even before I had my degree, I was working for an engineering firm. So, um, and what kind of engineering just right. for our, I'm for an our electrical engin engineer. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, cool. Electrical engineer. And so very, very technical, um, in my roles up until I went to get my MBA and okay. that was about 12 years into my career and mm -hmm. everything changed. And so when I say that, it's because I, I knew how to create things, how things should work, how to manage projects, mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things. Um, but really understanding how to make money mm. and how all of these companies I worked for made money, like understanding mm -hmm. business models and, mm -hmm. you know, those type of, th it was a game changer. And um, right. so I, 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 ever since then, I became an entrepreneur full time. 
and I never looked back. And so um, coinciding with my engineering career, I, um, I had started a real estate business. And so that's still something that I have going, but I started out just as an investor and then it grew into like a full-fledged company where I help other people. So I've always done something entrepreneurial, but now I work with combining my tech knowledge with my business knowledge. So I help tech startups, you know, launch or launch new products. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily a new startup, like it's an existing company that's trying to launch something new. Mm -hmm. And so um, the way things were done even 10 years ago is different mm -hmm. than how it's done now. And so, um, you know, just breathing life into that process so they don't run out of money and motivation getting it done. So everything involved in that is, is where I concentrate uh, most of my time, but I'm also a professor of entrepreneurship at a university, um, just an adjunct. So I teach one class a week and I love it. That's mm -hmm. definitely a give back time to help the next generation of entrepreneurs understand how things are done um, and also how to play this venture capitalist game. Um, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize how the startup world is different than, than corporate and people are looking for different things from you. So those are two things. And I have a marketing company. So outside. I want to hear all about Yeah. TCM. Yeah, yes. TPM. Mm -hmm. TPM Focus. So I have TPM Focus, which is the overall strategy company. And then I have TPM Focus Marketing, which is specifically just marketing. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And so the strategy for launching anything new requires a collaboration of marketing, sales, your technologies you're using, and everything needs to align with your revenue goal. So my number mm -hmm. one focus with any new product launch is how are you going to make money? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In in our all in our company model for um, TPM focused marketing is if it your marketing isn't directly related to growing your revenues, it, it's just entertainment. Right. Mm -hmm. I, and I think oftentimes companies mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, They're like, no. let's do some marketing. Let's get, you know, I guess, you know, with the, with the goal of bringing on clients, but there's no metrics around it, you right. know, tied right. to revenue. Oftentimes they just kind of keep these silos of sales and, and, and marketing. And oftentimes marketing is not tied to, to actual numbers. Well, and they don't understand what it does. Right. I mean, I've mentored right. small, small, diverse businesses and like, we need a marketing campaign. And I'm like, that's great. Why? And they're like, because. I'm like, okay. <laughs> probably because it's probably not the mission statement we want on a marketing campaign. You know, so so everybody hears market, 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 campaign, constant contact, CRM, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and nobody has, they're like, I've got to do it, but they can't tell you why they why? have to do it, right? So are these some of the things that, some of the common problems maybe that, that companies are making either in their, well, in any, really any stage of their life, right? Their, their mm -hmm. development yeah. life. But are these some of the things you guys help them fix and understand and kind of put some why? I'm going to go back to our why, Chloe. Kind of put some of the why behind <laughs> yeah. that campaign. Yes, it's definitely a mindset shift. So even mm -hmm. if you're an existing company that's launching a new product, that product itself, we treat it like a startup in and of itself. You have mm -hmm. to remember, right. you are not Coca-Cola. You are not <laughs> Nike. You are not Delta. You right. are not major brands that people, all they need to do is see the symbol and know mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. If you don't fall into that category, the way you do marketing has to make sense. They right. can throw right money on campaigns. We just having it like Coke can do a campaign that never even shows a Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. You still get sales. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, you right. don't have that runway. So we focus on being strategic mm -hmm. in your marketing. What is the goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you selling to? What is the value profit proposition 
to that? What is the benefits to them? Is that related into marketing? How will they trust you? Mm-hmm. Right. See, Coca-Cola don't have to worry about that. People already no. trust, already know them. So people have to stop going by the playbook of major players because that's right. their book and you have a different one and you haven't defined yours. And so that's really where we focus. So it's definitely a mindset shift and it's not something you can just throw money at and solve the problem. Right, right. Some of the mm-hmm. most powerful marketing campaigns that have really exceeded revenue goals were very, very cheap. You know, right. it's, it's about focusing on those core things that I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think the tenant in marketing is you pursue the segment that you're trying to go after. So are you uh, and maybe I'm reading too much between the lines, but are you proposing that instead of concentrating on segment, you should concentrate on self? So if I tell my authentic story, I tell my authentic brand, that's what's going to connect. That's what's, And that's what's going to resonate with the right segment instead of trying to pursue a specific segment? Well, it depends on how you position the company. Some people okay. are the are the face of the company and their whole goal is to get the the potential buyers, the prospects to trust them, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like a service provider or something Mm -hmm. like that. But Mm -hmm. most people, they want people to, they don't care about me as the CEO or the founder. I need them to buy my technology product, right? (laughs) Right. Whatever that is. So then your your focus shouldn't be on you. They don't care about you. They care about what that product is. It's not with segmentation. It's not an either or, right? Mm. You need to segment but who, why, like every new product launch that focuses on trying to serve it up to too many people at once fails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Start somewhere where you know what the value proposition is to that audience and build build your strategy around them. And it does not mean that you can only sell to them forever. It's just your market entry strategy. Right. Gotcha. You know, and then once you have enough people that are like, oh, yeah, I use, you know, we do that all the time, right? Chloe, when I'm talking, oh, yeah, I use this company. You just like, never heard of them before. But you, people really underestimate word of mouth. And word of mouth can't be, there's no attribution system for that in marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the great things I feel like that really resonated with me, and Monique may not even remember that she said this, but (laughs) we talked about just in, in your marketing campaign, she's like, what is the actual problem that you're solving? Is it a problem like, or is it a nice to have? And I was like, oh yeah. And then she's like, don't focus on the nice to have. I mean, that's not going to get people's attention. Focus on the problem that you're solving and how you're going to solve that problem with these particular individuals. And so Mm -hmm. I just found that, I mean, it just really resonated with me and it's just about really, really segmentation and being authentic and really meeting people where they are and the challenge that they have. That's it, Chloe. That's right. And so it's very easy when the product is your baby to forget Mm -hmm. that. And so that's why Mm -hmm. having someone that's constantly saying, okay, that's, that's really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that graphic is gorgeous. How's it going to make you money? (laughs) What is it it portraying? Like, what are you trying to get those people who consume this piece of marketing to do? Exactly. And I think that if you have that messaging down, everything doesn't necessarily have to be so glamorous because you're using the right messaging and it's, it's resonating with your audience and your buyers. So that's why TPM focused marketing fun out on its own because TPM focus focuses on the overall strategy of getting revenues. Then what, you know, how, how the whole business model should be set up to get revenues, to launch this new product. But then marketing requires specific focus of its own. Mm-hmm. And some people already have their business model down. Like I said, not everyone is a new company, but they're launching right. something new and they just need that like full on, how do I launch a new product style mm-hmm. of marketing? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel that, you know, obviously I think um, when we, when we think about our listeners, especially the, the larger companies, how do you feel mm-hmm. like these different sort of verticals of just technology and engineering and business and leadership all sort of weave together? And, and what would be your advice to some companies who don't have those teams talking yeah. at all? It's a big mistake. That's yeah. all I can say. Having come from a highly technical role as an engineer, I mean, I didn't even know from for most of them, I didn't even know who was on the marketing team. They were they were mm-hmm. completely irrelevant. One of the things that um, other engineers and I even talk about is like, and and I can say this because you know I do fall into the category of engineers, but engineers can be very cocky, arrogant. They think they're the mm-hmm. most important mm-hmm. person on the team, and what they do is what's what's mm-hmm. keeping this company alive and in reality <laughs> it's so ridiculous i think everybody thinks that because salespeople right. think that too i oh, you know it's like, it's like oh what i'm doing is keeping this company afloat so yes but and then you have know. marketing <laughs> Right, right. So everyone feels that way and does, and and kind of works in their silos. Mm-hmm. And I think there should be respect for which for what each person brings and understanding of what they do, each department mm-hmm. does, mm-hmm. and how it all correlates. And again, I learned that from my MBA. So I know some people are like, oh, MBA is overrated, this and that. Now maybe some people can get that from their business experience mm-hmm. in the workplace, but it doesn't. That that's not was kind of taught in most in mm-hmm. most companies. Mm-hmm. So having a diversity of thought is Absolutely. so important. Yep. You know, everyone thinks and approaches problems differently and from the perspective of their job. Right. right? And it could mm-hmm. be in conflict with another department mm-hmm. um, and how they see their job. So really having a, a, a understanding of what each department brings to the table, the value they bring and how it's important, number one, how it's important to serving the customer. Because in reality, the customers are who are keeping the lights on. That is so oh, true. Oh, right. guys, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we're all working for the customer. Yes. Oh, most yes. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. Well, speaking of MBA, you've you've referenced it several times on just mm-hmm. how much, how impactful that was for you and how it was like just a pivotal point. I want you to talk a little bit about your podcast, The Unpolished MBA. Tell us what that is all about and 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 tell us how you and why you started it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Unpolished MBA really got started because I a lot of people who I speak with are like, they feel insecure about how far they've gotten with their business because they mm-hmm. feel as if if they had more business training, maybe if they had an MBA, they could be further along. And honestly, I don't believe that to be true. So although I may be the one with all of these credentials, I don't necessarily believe that's true for most people. You don't yeah. need that. Yeah. Um, and if you have, if you get experiences and you're allowed to be curious and you you know, again, collaborate with other departments within your corporate career, you don't, ne- you don't have to go out here and get all these separate degrees because you get it right. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, I did not have that opportunity because people relied so much on me for, of course, leadership and stuff like that. But I was known as the technical person who knew everything about aviation systems or everything about um, power generation or, you know, and turbines mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever it was, everything about me- microelectronics and the list goes on and on for the different things I've done in my career. Um, But ultimately, you you just you really just have to decide what you want to do. And is Mm -hmm. all of this other stuff even necessary? And talk to people who are where you want to be. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I started that so that people did not feel insecure about having, not having an MBA as they set out on this entrepreneurial journey, because it's not necessary. And so that's kind of the, that's kind of Mm -hmm. the theme of the podcast is telling people about is, is, is entrepreneurs that really tell their journey. Some have MBAs, some don't. And um, that's why we call them the unpolished MBAs. I consider myself an unpolished MBA. Yes. Yeah. You know, most MBAs are the corporate, you know, and they walk around. I used to wear the black suit in the, in the hills every day. Um, <laughs> I don't have to do that now, but I get it. And so I, I, just, I have my MBA and I'm wearing a hoodie right now. So, exactly. you know, I think I may fall into that same category. Right. So it's just a, a matter of respecting everyone's journey and what you bring yeah. to the table and knowing you can tap other people people to fill in those gaps of information that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely important to tap into other people and leveraging that as well. And there's nothing better than the experience of hands-on learning, I would say. So yeah, I definitely don't think people all have to have their MBA. And then for the business owner to get out of their own way. Right. Right. To realize they aren't everything to the company and they if they're going to grow the company, they can't be everything to the company. And then to go look for those bright minds to fill those dark corners and those gaps to help them bring that company up. Right. So uh, I I totally agree with that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. So I get to meet a lot of interesting, smart people, some of which have no college degrees at all. And those are actually the most most successful ones I've had on the podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just grit to the core. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's, that's what that is. So, yes. That is baseline bootstrapping at that point. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So well, I, I'm going to ask this question. Nobody's ever taken us up on it yet. So now that we've interviewed you, we can have our audience expect to have the um, uh, Breaking Barriers episode on your podcast now too, right? <laughs> okay. I've invited Chloe three times already. She's a busy woman. <laughs> We just have to, we yes. just have to yes. carve it out. We have to carve out the time and, and we would be happy to join you. Yes. Sounds good. It's a deal. So tell us a little bit about the party match and how you're involved yeah. with that. That sounds super interesting. Well, the party match was actually my tech startup. I exited in 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a tech, a, a, I want to call it a platform because it was, but it was a software that mm-hmm. helped those of commercial property owners really rent out their underutilized space so that they would also have more foot traffic from Mm. partners that they would share spaces with. So I'll give you an example. So I was way ahead of what's happening now, but what's happening now, as far as foot traffic, I told them what happened eight years ago. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. But it was hard because I spent a lot of time educating. And anytime Mm. you're early in like Mm -hmm. adjusting mindsets, you spend so much time educating. Right. We've talked about that. that, Chloe? (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So I was- We've had many conversations. Exactly. (laughs) Burnt out from educating. But for example, a few partnerships that have happened now in their sharing space. Mm -hmm. One is Kohl's and Aldi. Oh, I know that sounds okay. crazy, right? So the the way I, the way the business was set up was you have to consider who serves, and I do this in marketing too when people are trying mm-hmm. to do collaborations. Who serves the same demographic of people that you want to serve, but they mm-hmm. sell a different product? It doesn't even have to be complementary, right? Mm-hmm. Not complementary. Mm-hmm. So Coles. Coles and Aldi in about five different locations around the country, they're testing out half of the um, company, half of the location being Coles, and then the other half actually being 
an Aldi grocery store. And I, I love know. that idea, though. <laughs> I absolutely love but, that. But it's not not trailing to Walmart and Target who are already doing kind of the same thing. I mean, you see like the home, the whether it's the neighborhood stores or that format. Yes, but you get to maintain your brand. So Walmart is, is okay. all Walmart. So mine was like, no, no, you keep your Aldi, you keep your Coles, you keep your mm -hmm. brands and y'all serve customers, but they don't have to leave the location and actually can get rid of your location. So what happened, because I have a background in real estate, I understood the fixed costs of, and I also, part of my background is um, construction of commercial properties, right? Mm -hmm. And so I understood the fixed costs of maintaining real estate and mm -hmm. how foot traffic was declining by the month for everyone. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the main objective was let's work this out now, because if you look at Coles and Aldi, if you look across the country, they're mm -hmm. typically located near each other, usually across the street, catty mm -hmm. corner. It makes sense. And yeah. Aldi, Aldi, for example, they could, they could benefit from some organization <laughs> inside the stores. Right. And mm -hmm. so having to be more compact, like you mentioned, Adam, like the neighborhood mm -hmm. stores at Walmart, when they get to the point where they're neat and organized, just like Kohl's is, right? Mm -hmm. It actually helps them sell more. Sometimes yeah. you, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it was, it was mm -hmm. a combination of a lot of different things that I would have them consider like, wow, that makes sense. But we still got people coming and we're still making money without making that move. So mm -hmm. what ended up happening was a lot of these companies would hire me as a consultant to help with a business strategy. And oh, here I am trying to sell them the tech. <laughs> you understand that Chloe? yes yes okay. ma'am i do yes yeah so and so another example is planet fitness and coles now have a partnership so coal mm. uh, planet fitness okay. will sell workout clothes from coles inside yes. the facilities you oh know, that makes sense yeah 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 yeah, so it's just things like that. But the thing is, when you co-locate like that, you have an opportunity to basically market your brand inside of somewhere else. So I'm thinking Coles Aldi. I'm thinking Planet Fitness, you know, Coles, because while I'm in there, oh, I need a new pair of workout pants mm -hmm. right there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it gets people to buy from you versus leaving, driving to Walmart, Target, whatever. To right. They're going to buy right. it that's on site. And so just just helping them to understand how buying habits are changing. But not only that, people are going to be buying more online. So it's time for you to scale down the amount of real estate you have. Um, yeah. But as you can see, mm -hmm. plenty of people did not listen to me back at that time. Um, <laughs> and some have, and Macy's is, is one of them. Um, and as you see, they've had to shut down so many yep. stores and do so much. But yeah, yeah, a lot of these players in retail, I've had conversations with years ago about this. So and that's yeah. something. I that's mean, there amazing. was the other day I saw a Buffalo Wild Wings mm -hmm. and a Dunkin' Donuts together in the same space. Wow, two of my favorite things. That's dangerous. <laughs> See, I thought it was brilliant right. though because I'm like, well, you get this morning traffic and, and it won't interfere evening. with the evening or afternoon traffic. And then you've got that. So it's like you can kind of, I mean, you're both doing very, very well and not really kind of taking up that the now, parking space in that area because you've wow. got two totally different times, like high points yeah. of time. So yeah. But if you, if you put a Buffalo Wild Wings and a Dunkin' Donuts in the front of a Planet Fitness, now, <laughs> now we have a trifecta. Right, and, and a Coles and an and Aldi right now. And a Coles and an Aldi. You can just forget Amazing. the rest of my day. It's, it's, I'll just it's a be microcosm like, yeah, of everything here. you do in the day right there. <laughs> 
right. But here's my, and, and I just, just a personal opinion from understanding their franchise model. Dunkin' Donuts used to co-locate with- um, Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like Dunkin' Donuts can't figure out who they want to date and who they want to marry. Like they'll, <laughs> well, they'll, they'll mix with whoever will give them the attention, right? I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel the same way about PepsiCo. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? Who, who all do you still own and why? Yeah, no, I, I get you, Monique. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. These brands, but you know, I think it's still smart. I mean, and I think that that just kind of goes to innovation and marketing too. It's like, you have to test things. You know, when we talk about just design thinking is you got to test different things if you think it'll work. And if it doesn't work, you've got to fail fast and, and pivot quickly. Fail often. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Keep learning and iterating on there you your go. ideas. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. So speaking about kind of continuing to learn, um, you know, there's uh, there are so many groups out there. Uh, WIT is one of the ones that comes to mind that helps support uh, women in business. What are some of the common issues, you know, regarding gender inequality in the workplace that you're seeing today? And, and how can organizations like WIT or other entrepreneurs kind of help move the conversation? Uh, on some of those issues. Wow, that that's a big topic. Organizations like WIT, Women in Technology, um, they they actually part of the work that I've done with them on a volunteer basis is um, speaking with students about mm-hmm. careers in STEM and realistically how is it going to be. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to scare them out of it, but I mean to tell them the truth, right? And so that's right. what we, exactly that's what, that's what we've been doing, and not just that organization, but other organizations because what what we found as being women who have been in corporate in engineering and STEM roles is that, wow, no one told me it was going to be like this. Mm. And it's a mass Mm -hmm. exodus of women out of those fields once they get there and suffer a lot of the, like just a lot of the things that hold them back. Right. And they don't understand why, because they're smart. They do their Mm -hmm. work, you know, and just other things that they didn't expect as far as like politically. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, in those organizations, we basically prepare students who are pursuing STEM or thinking about it on what's it really like. And Mm -hmm. so I don't just share the challenges. I share also the advantages Mm -hmm. because it's very few careers where you can come out of college and make $80,000 and and plus and like literally change your life. And I tell them, Mm -hmm. you know, it just depends on what's important to you. Mm -hmm. You know, representation is important to me. So that's part of the reason why, even though I'm not in the lab building things anymore. I'm still a representation of a woman in STEM, right? And I right. always pay, let people know I'm an engineer because it helps other people say, oh, okay, I was very technical, but if I want to create a business of my own, I can also do that. Exactly. You know, I have exactly. the skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then organizations like WIT also helps um, women who are professionals, you know, in, in STEM, in the workplace mm-hmm. to kind of have a network of support, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I see a lot of, um, instances where women will refer others in the organization to jobs. Mm -hmm. That's really what we have to do. We have to push it forward. We can't be afraid to say, Hey, this person is qualified. I'd like to add them to the interview pool. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I also think that organizations should consider how they utilize the talents of their women, right? And understand their own biases. I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, luckily, I didn't play this. I didn't play this game. But, you know, once I got a little older, but when I remember when I first started my engineering career, you know, it's always the women who are selected to um, put together the Christmas party. And it's like, why? 
right? <laughs> yes, yes. Stop, stop yes. doing that. Stop perpetuating mm-hmm. things. Let people, you know, volunteer. volunteer mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, don't assume that the woman, if someone needs to be, you know, someone on the team needs to be picked up from the airport send her, right? Someone, you know, it's just like, it's just like those things where they feel it's almost like a transference of what their expectations are in their home to be in the workplace. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they need to be more aware of the biases they perpetuate. And that's why there's training and and, and organizations that help with that, but it's not free. So number two is invest the money to get the outcomes you're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have a a funny story about that a few uh, years ago, probably about five or six years ago when I was, you know, in a corporate environment. I was leading this team. I was the producer on the account, had the relationship, but the immediate brokerage team were all men. Mm. And so we had a, a, a meeting that was coming up and they wouldn't have asked this to any of a, other producer, but they were like, oh, can you print out all the agendas before, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of time uh, and just, you know, make sure right. that we have those. And I'm like, whose job is that? That's not my job. I mean, I had mm-hmm. to literally kind of call them out on mm-hmm. it and they were like, oh, okay, no problem. We'll just, we'll get it. I just figured that you, they were like, we just figured that you'd probably want to just handle that piece. I'm like, in addition so to everything you, else right. that I'm yeah, handling. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but it is, you're right. Those unconscious biases and yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate, but. Yeah, to, to also be considered in an administrative role and your technical role mm-hmm. and your sales role, like you have all of these kind of expectations. And if you dare say that's inappropriate, you know, then now you have some type of stigma placed on you Mm -hmm. about not necessarily being, you know, a team player and all of this. Like, sure, I'm a team player. I just happen to be a woman and I want the same respect as the men on the team. Mm -hmm. if, if, If I may dare to ask for that. Right. So, I mean, when we, you talked a little bit about just coaching and mentoring young women, you know, how Mm -hmm. have you seen technology in general change and has the face of it changed? Do you see more women moving into technology Mm -hmm. and those that are potentially considering moving into technology? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, I do see the good thing about it is with the barriers to entry being lowered as far as becoming a founder of a tech company. It's less scary for women who, let's say, are in marketing or sales to say, you know what, I know how to create something or I can hire somebody, a developer, Mm -hmm. to create something to solve this problem that I see in the business community. And so I think that with the barriers of entry to entrepreneurship, you know, now you don't have to buy out servers and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, It more, more, people, women um, overall, who probably wouldn't have taken those steps to create a company have, right? right? And so mm-hmm. um, technology is is one of those things that I think have tried to equalize some things, but at the same time, especially with things like artificial intelligence, is reinserting the bias, mm. you know, into our oh, yeah. lives, right? Yeah. And the thing is, technology is only as perfect as the people who create it, who mm-hmm. are also so imperfect, right? right? So biases are inherently embed in mm-hmm. technology. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, again, we have to address that through, you know, bringing awareness, having training, like, and mm-hmm. people getting on board with it without feeling like they're being slighted, you know, right. yeah. um, because now they're, they're having to share space with people they didn't have to before. They, they're having to, you know, um, consider opinions that they didn't mm-hmm. have to consider mm-hmm. before. And so just being respectful, um, right. 
I think is important. Yeah. I mean, I just, one of the things I thought about when you said that is just, even when you're designing these, these products and using AI, making sure that you have a diverse team. And if you don't have that internally hiring someone outside of the organization, a consultant per se, but also that you, that you're bringing, you know, different perspectives because you want to reflect the consumer experience, right? Mm -hmm. If your consumers are diverse, why would you not have women, minorities, you know, a part of building the initial product. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I, I have to insert this because this comes up so much. You do want the involvement of women, minorities, whatever, to, to help have a fully inclusive dialogue about how things should go, but pay them. Yes. Stop Yikes. asking for them to teach you about diversity, insert their opinions to help your product right. grow for free. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And right. so we have to see that happening a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really? Even within really? organizations. Wow. Even within organizations. So you have within an organization, let's say I am the person of color that's on the team, of course, engineering. Mm -hmm. I probably was the only black person or the only woman. So if something comes right. up like, oh yeah, we want to diversify our pool, ask Monique. I'm not a DEI expert, right? <laughs> right, right, right? You're not going to pay me more for doing research on how to figure like, just because I'm black doesn't make me an expert on diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Adam mm -hmm. and I were just talking about we this did. last we, week. Just, yes, yes, we were. Every yes, we were. Day, every mm -hmm. day. And so also back to, you know, being a woman, you know, mm -hmm. well, you know, you know, what, what kind of, um, resources do we need on the campus um, in order to accommodate women that are here? Do we need a nursing room? Do we need this? Mm -hmm. Okay, just because I'm a woman <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> I'm the best person. And then the thing is right. my expertise on that subject, is it not valued? They don't pay you extra for this. Right. It definitely helps the business. But my mm -hmm. thing is, what is the incentive um, for people to share that type of information um, and, and put in that effort and, you know, find the other people for you to talk to, to make it a well-rounded conversation, mm -hmm. like value their expertise, even though you feel like, oh, you're black, you know, that information, no, no, no need to worry about, you know, compensating right. people for their time. And I get DMs about saying, well, I, we're looking for the black women engineers. Okay. Well, go ahead. <laughs> They're <laughs> out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we talked about this and, and I mean, I don't know how this will be received by our listeners, but just that there's been this influx of, you know, d new DNI roles that have just been yeah. popping up and mm -hmm. they've majority We're, of them, if like 80% yes. of them are, are black women. Yeah. And uh -huh. obviously being a black woman and you're a black woman, I think black women are exponentially talented, but I often mm -hmm. think that it's just something like, oh, well, you're black and you're a woman. And so you must know about DNI. So we're just mm -hmm. going to put you into this role as opposed to actually finding someone that, you know, really knows about equity and inclusion right. and right. really instead of just their siloed perspective, mm -hmm. um, I think is critical. And oftentimes companies critical. don't take the time to do that. They just make an no. assumption. Oh, you're you fall into two of these groups yeah. these category it, groups and so you must know yeah. everything yeah. that there is to know it's, about this it's a very odd form of stereotyping yet again yes right. you know and and it's something that uh i think comes from a place of trying to do the right thing and then you wind up doing the wrong thing you know with without coming and talking to those of us that are actually in the field and do this day and day and have these mm -hmm. conversations and not afraid to back away you know from the hard talks you've got to go look for them don't just assume because a person walks or looks or talks a certain way 
that they have an expertise in it. Monique, I think that's right on the head, you know, and once again, because then all we're doing is we're perpetuating the problem with a new cover. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I think about just even D&I questions that I have mm-hmm. or just particularly even around, even if I'm like wanting to bounce something off of someone about supplier right. diversity, who do I go to? I go to Adam. Yep. You know, <laughs> so she does. I mean, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, let's talk about this. What do you think about right. this? And, right. you know, you I think organizations need to look for allies, but also looking at, at skill sets, you know, just exactly. in general. Right. Exactly. I know DEI experts like I personally know rock stars that are not black right you know i'm like you are amazing um and i'll share a little bit of a a a somewhat of a personal story here my kids school um when they were uh in element one of the kids one of in elementary school when they were younger one of the teachers really was like really in a cry for understanding more of how to be personable and accommodating to people who were not white, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, although the school was very diverse, all of the teachers, all of the administration, everyone was white. Dealing with kids of color, different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. all of that, there was a lot of miscommunication, misunderstandings, Mm. parents taking their kids out of the school. Mm. And Mm. um, because I haven't, you know, I have people that I know that are experts at that, I reached out to them. And luckily, I had ones that were white women so that they could relate Uh, to white women that ran so brilliant. Mm -hmm. So brilliant. Yeah. You know, so sometimes people want to level with someone they feel like, okay, they understand me, they get me. Mm-hmm. And I get, and I get that, but I'm yeah. not the expert in that. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, the expert in it doesn't look like what you expect them to look like, look right. for skill set and expertise, like Chloe said. Mm-hmm. Very true. But I think in that situation, it's like, you're bringing an insider to talk about sort of an outsider sort of topic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So people naturally gravitate towards people that they have affinities to. And so off the cuff, that woman probably was received and she was able to kind of have some sort of candid conversations, what we call them as family, family conversations, Um, (laughs) family conversations, and then say, okay, this is how we need to approach this because Mm -hmm. this is why this is offensive. This is why, Mm -hmm. and then they could speak freely without feeling Mm -hmm. like they're offending anyone you know mm-hmm. exactly yeah so, so yeah. haven't seen it played out exactly in that way oh I, yes I have to agree with you chloe yep so before we wrap up i wanted to ask you one last question you know obviously you've done a lot of different things and i mean i i haven't seen such a unique you know career trajectory in a really really long time and been successful in all these different mm-hmm. verticals what are some of the lessons that you've learned throughout your career and and how have those lessons sort of shaped you as a person and you as an entrepreneur? I would say number one, never stop learning, mm-hmm. right? And I also say number two, never stop learning from everyone around you. See, sometimes people think once they make it to a certain point in education or in their career, you know, they know more than people who are in um, other positions that may not be as high as theirs. And I'm, I'm the first one to tell you some of the smartest people I know, as, as I mentioned to you before, some of the people that have filled in blanks for me and still I rely upon to this day, don't have the background in education or whatever mm-hmm. what I have. And I think ultimately it comes down to, le- I'm intentional about learning something 
from every person I encounter. I believe mm -hmm. that everyone yeah. has value. Yeah. And there's a reason why, mm -hmm. why, why we've met. And I try to extract that value from them. And of course they try to extract value from me, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's definitely, you know, respecting that everyone has value and information that could be helpful to you. And so mm -hmm. that's just the way I approach life. That's the way I approach corporate. Um, and that's the way I approach, you know, entrepreneurship. And, and luckily it has led me to some of the most incredible, talented people that I would not have ever met if I only looked for other people with an engineering degree and MBAs. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. so true. So true. Well, thank you so much yes, Monique, for coming to the show and for all of our listeners who may need some marketing support, may need some marketing right. strategy, may need some business consulting, just overall launching new markets, launching into new markets, launching new products. You can find Monique at on LinkedIn at Monique Mills, or you can check out her podcast at www.unpolishedmba.com. You can also learn more about how Monique is changing the world in every day going to tpmfocus.com and moniquemills.biz. Thank you again, Monique. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us and participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.